0: Thanks for listening to the weekly Overflow Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Jesse Cup. For more information, visit overflowindy.com or visit us on Facebook at Overflow Indy. All right, guys, um, let's, let's dive into what today's all about. <clears throat> I want, to, I want to remind you that um, when, you, when you think about Jesus dying on the cross and resurrecting, I want you to think about it. We, we talked about this pretty heavy duty on Friday night, like all that he went through for you um, on, on Good Friday, but I want you to just think about it for a moment, like the price that Jesus paid, the pain that he endured, the suffering he endured, he did it for you. And to him, it wasn't just a, it it was by no means a a duty that he was accomplishing, it was personal. Like if you were the only person who would ever receive it, he did it. He did it for you. Amen? And like the the amount of pain and suffering and price that he paid, like, I want you to think about this. That should show you the value that he's placed on you. 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 I don't mean collectively, everybody in the world, like, oh I'll give my life for a billion people, 10, 10 billion people, whatever. No, he, he did it for you. Okay? Like that's high, that's high, 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 high value. He esteems you highly. So good. There's a lady named Elizabeth Elliott, who is, I believe, was the wife of Jim Elliott, a missionary to South America. And she, I love this quote of hers. She said, the only crown Jesus ever wore on earth was a crown of thorns. Whew. The king of kings. And he, he didn't even allow the people who wanted to put a, a golden crown on his head and, and make him a king. He didn't even allow it. I need a, I need a crown of thorns. Because like he, he knew what he had to go through to establish his kingdom the way he intended to. So then Charles Spurgeon said this While others are congratulating themselves, I have to sit humbly at the foot of the cross and marvel that I'm saved at all. That's powerful. I want to say that again because I want us to feel the heart of that. While others are congratulating themselves, I have to sit humbly at the foot of the cross and marvel that I'm saved at all. So powerful. I I was raised in church all my life, and and I was raised in a Christian family. My grandparents Christians, aunts, uncles, cousins, everybody. And I don't I personally don't know what it's like to be raised in a family that doesn't know the Lord, and uh, that's an awesome f- privilege, but it also causes me to to not understand things that some of you you know feel who have family members that you're really close to and, and you're, you're concerned that they might die not knowing Jesus and go to hell forever. And, uh, I don't, I don't know that feeling in a, in a personal close family kind of a way. Um, I'm thankful for that, but, uh, but we want to see people come to the Lord. Amen. And, um, I was about six years old. We lived in Muncie and in the summertime, my sister and I were going to a, a vacation Bible school. My mom, I think, was stoked to have about two weeks to get us out of her hair. And so she sent us with, our, with my friend. Um, I, was, I think I was six, and, and I can't even hardly remember this at all, but I, I vaguely remember the, that an altar call was given, and I came up to the altar and knelt down and gave my life to Jesus. And so six years old is when I said the sinner's prayer. Um, I already loved Jesus before that, but there's something about making a public confession and acknowledgement before other people and to the Lord. Amen? About giving your life to Jesus. And then I was 11 when I got baptized in water. And, and baptism is a real, um, it's a public demonstration and a, and a prophetic symbol to the, to the Lord and to the world around us. I'm, I'm laying for Jesus. I'm coming into the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So I got got immersed in the water and, and baptized at age 11, got my first Bible as a trophy. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> and then a, a couple years later, going into junior high, um, I backslid, and that's pretty cool, right? <laughs> I mean, we all have to have a, a backslide story or something in our testimony, don't we? I'm joking, we don't. <laughs> don't. Don't try to fit one of those into your testimony. But I, I, I kind of I didn't like fall fully away from the Lord, but I, I definitely started loving the world more and everything. Um, but when I was 14, um, the Holy Ghost broke out in a church camp that uh, my sister and youth group went to. I did not. Um, because I cared more about playing Super Mario Brothers and defeating it without hearing my sister yelling at me all week. So that was nice. I got, I w- I did win. That was pretty cool. You guys should tell me congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. Yeah. But my sister came back from that camp, and she was glowing a way I've never seen her before, her, like her... Before that, she had a hardness towards me, and she came back soft and and caring and loving. I was like, "Whoa, what's what has changed with you? You don't feel that way about me." And she was speaking in tongues. What? What is this thing? And like, that was the that was one of the most profound times that uh, my sister influenced me, and I, I actually was jealous. <laughs> She got something supernatural in her life, and I I hadn't experienced that before. And then the next day, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit at church, and that was powerful. Amen? How many of you guys have been baptized in the Holy Ghost? Come on. Those of you who haven't, <laughs> you need to. It'll change you. But, uh, but it took me still another year. I, that was still like in the season that I was backslidden, and my my life started shifting hopefully with the holy spirit in hopefully something shifts right but i still wasn't fully there yet um but it took about a year no it took it took about um that happened in the summer it took about probably around february or march that that following spring um i went through a series of some really hard knocks i'm not going to go into that now it's part of my testimony but uh But the Lord used a hard season in my life to really grab my heart. And I learned then that Jesus is the friend that sticks closer than a brother when I felt like everybody else had betrayed me and hated me. So the Lord loved me. I encountered him in in biology class. Can you believe that? I'm serious. They were were showing a video of, uh, I think it was biology class. I was in the middle of the room. Um, This was in a season when everybody hated me and picked on me. It's horrible. And I would lay my head on the table or on my desk uh, just to zone out, just to cope through the day. And while they're watching this video with the lights off, I I went in, I didn't even know what this was, but I went into a trance. I had no idea because I was just like, I just used to zone out and just go to La La Land just to, just to run my imagination just to get out of the environment that I was in and but I went into a trance not even knowing that's what it was and I and I had a vision of Jesus and he came to me and he put his hands on my shoulders and he had tears in his eyes looking me in the eyes and he said Jesse I am a friend that'll stick closer than a brother he said I will never leave you or forsake you in a time when all my friends had abandoned me and this was after I had abandoned him. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I didn't even know those were verses in the Bible. And something radically changed in my life. That was that was when I realized I'm going to lay my life down 100% for Jesus now. And that was when I started going to the youth group and got my youth leader to start mentoring me. And, and he started pouring into me. He's like, Jesse, you... You have a calling on your life, you're going to change this world. When everybody else told me that, that I was like the worst things you could ever say to somebody, and, and Mick Ireton spoke that into my life. But, but Jesus captured my heart, amen? And so I've been fully surrendered ever since. Doesn't mean every minute was glowing in my life, but I've been fully dedicated to the Lord ever since I was 15 in biology class. Isn't that crazy? I don't even know if my teacher knew the Lord. <laughs> like, he didn't do the altar call. <laughs> but but I, I, I got saved at six. I've been walking with Jesus, you know, or I've been, I've been saved 41 years. You can do the math, all right? I just had a birthday. I've been, I've been saved for 41 years. And I want to tell you that during all those years, I, I'm still learning all that Jesus paid for on the cross and has given to me. Still learning it. I don't know that you and I are ever going to reach the full encyclopedia worth of everything Jesus has done for you on the cross. All right? It's more than you can imagine. But, but we got to think about this. Jesus celebrated the Passover on Thursday night. And, and told his disciples, I'm going to die. And, and they took communion, taught them what communion was, said, this is the blood of my covenant. And they did it on Thursday night, knowing he's about to go die. They had no clue. But the next day, you know, Good Friday, he gets nailed to the cross. <laughs> With you on his mind. With you. Say your name right now. Say it. Jesus had your name. He had your heart, your life in his heart. The passion of Jesus. Guess what the passion is? It's you. You are his passion. Died on the cross. He was in a tomb all day, Saturday. And then Sunday morning came and he was resurrected. Hallelujah. Who's thankful for Jesus dying on the cross and then resurrecting from the dead? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Guess what? Buddha is still dead. Muhammad's still dead. Any of those other people that you can think of that are Jesus' challengers, they're dead. They did not resurrect. And something else that's cool about Jesus is, like, he's resurrected people, and, we, and even in modern days, people have been resurrected by the power of Jesus Christ. How, it's amazing. The resurrection power still lives. But nobody came and resurrected Jesus from the dead. He resurrected himself from the dead. Come on. That's amazing. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And, and it's not just something he does. It's who he is. And when you are the resurrection and the life, you can die and and you just come right back to life because that resurrection has to happen. Come on, Jesus is faithful to who he is. And he said, I'm the resurrection and the life. And on the third day, he resurrected from the dead. After spending, I don't know how many hours, but it was more than 24, I think, but it was, you know, if there's three days it spanned over. I don't know how many hours it was. But from the time he went to, that he breathed his last until the moment when his chest filled up again, we want to be the fly on the wall, right? From that time, I don't know how all this works, but I know somewhere in there, if not the entire of the time, Jesus actually went into hell to preach the good news to those who were dead. And it actually says It actually says in one of the Gospels that there is a whole bunch of people that got resurrected from the dead and started going about telling the good news of Jesus going into the cities. The resurrection and the life died and then a bunch of people got resurrected. That's crazy. (laughs) That's, That's our Jesus. That's the powerful Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives inside of you who are born again. Come on. That's amazing. I want to ask you a question. If you, if you found out that you won this massive sweepstakes, okay, like this massive, and it's just loaded with benefits and goodness, right? Would you have the energy to sit there and listen to somebody read through the whole list of all the things you're about to get? Would you like to sit there and hear everything you're about to receive? I mean, it could be the most boring talker in the world, though. Okay, and it could be somebody who's boring, and it could be written out boring. But they're going to sit there and they're going to read through all the fine print to tell you everything that you're about to receive. Would you be excited, or are you going to be like, "Ah, I don't know. I think I'd rather do something else right now." Which one? All right. What What if you found out that you had this wealthy relative that you didn't even know existed? And they just died, and they decided that they wanted to give you the inheritance of everything that they owned. And, and there's a lawyer that comes, and it's got this big, long document filled with things that is going to tell you everything you're about to receive. But it, it might have some legal jargon in there. Like, are you going to be bored and want to go do something else? Or are you going to sit there eagerly anticipating what you're about to receive that you didn't even know existed for you? Which... You're going to want to hear about it? Well, good, because that's what I'm getting ready to do for you right now. I'm going to take some time this morning to read a bunch of scriptures to you guys, and I want you to listen with anticipation as an heir of everything I'm about to say. You got it? Because what I want to talk to you about right now is what did Jesus give you through the cross and the resurrection? And, and here we go. I'm going to list out a bunch of stuff. And I'm going to have you guys quote stuff with me. It's going to be fun. So get your, get your anticipation up. All right? I'm going, to, I'm going to start with Jeremiah 31, 33 through 34. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor, and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity, and their sin I will remember no more. Whoa. And then that was Old Testament, but in the New Testament, Matthew 26, 28, when Jesus was breaking bread with his disciples the night before the crucifixion, he said, For this is my blood of the new covenant. Everybody say, New covenant, new covenant. which is shed for many for the remission of sins or the forgiveness of sins. So, you, what, what is something that Jesus gave you? He gave you the new covenant. And he didn't just give you the new covenant, but he gave you the ability to live a new covenant lifestyle. Because when he gave you the new covenant, he took away your need to try to fulfill all the commands of the Old Testament law. And instead of of having it to be a dutiful, um, impossible, but needy task for you, that you do physically and outwardly. He said, instead of all that, I'm going to take away all that stuff that's burdensome and impossible, and I'm just going to put it from my spirit right into your heart, right into your mind, so that instead of it being duty, it's going to be an overflow of your love and intimacy to me. How do you, what do you guys like better, love and intimacy outflow or old covenant law and legalism? Okay, so he gave us the new covenant lifestyle, hallelujah. It's a covenant of not religion, but heart connection, intimacy, hallelujah, all right? It's a covenant of grace instead of judgment. It's a covenant of forgiveness where he will remember your sins no more, whoa. Why don't you take a moment and think about that? Like, make it personal for you, because you've sinned, and you might sin today. I don't know. I hope not, but you've got to know that, that when you go to Jesus and you confess and you, and you get to the, the blood that he poured out for you, if you, if you come into it with, with, with faith and confession, the blood of Jesus washes away all the sin, and he forgets it and he'll never hold it against you. Come on. So he gave you the new covenant. He gave you the ability to live a new covenant lifestyle. Amen. Romans 10, 9 through 11. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Everybody say, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture says, whoever believes on him, see there's that word, believes, that's the key, okay, believing. Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Whoa, that's amazing. So everybody say this, he gave me salvation. salvation. Come on. And say this, he removes shame. shame. So when Jesus takes away sin, he wants to take all the shame away too. There was no shame in this world before the fall of man. As a matter of fact, it says that Adam and Eve were naked and they were without shame. Okay? But after they fell and sin came on them and their eyes are opened to a condition God never intended for them. They looked at themselves and they realized they're naked and then they became filled with shame and they tried to find ways to cover themselves and hide their shame. But Jesus is saying that, that with salvation, God wants to remove all shame from, from your life. Now, I want to tell you that shame is one of the biggest cripplers of humanity it's one of the biggest weapons that Satan will try to bring against anybody, and especially Christians. And when we think that we've screwed up and we carry shame, I want to tell you that Jesus has paid for that to remove it from your life. And the blood of Jesus wants to take away anything that you might have been ashamed from and the shame with it. That's good news. Come on. All right, John 3.3. 3. Jesus answered and he said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, everybody say, born again, again. he cannot see the kingdom of God. You don't have to repeat that. I'll tell you when to repeat it. And when I don't, you just go with it, right? We're doing good. And then a couple of verses later, Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. Hallelujah. First Peter 1, 3 through 4 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again. Everybody say, born again, born again. to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Whoa. He's saying that because of the resurrection and through the resurrection, we become born again. It's through the resurrection of Jesus Christ that you become born again. Hallelujah. That's amazing. So, so what has Jesus given us through the cross and resurrection? Well, He gave you new birth. With a, and, and He made you born again. Hallelujah. That's amazing. In John 3, when it says born again, uh, the word born it, it just means what it says. You, you're given birth to, right? But that word again, born again, is the Greek word anothen. And I was looking this up, and I got pretty blessed when I was looking this up. Anothen. It does mean again. So born again, like a born another time, right? So like you were born from your mother, but Jesus came to get to make us born again, right? Another time. But that word doesn't just mean again. It means to be born anew. All right, so newness. But it doesn't just mean that. It also means from above. That's the one that shocked me for a moment. So it doesn't just mean, mean born again. It means born again from above. Whoa. So you have literally, if you if you have Jesus in your life, you have literally been born again from heaven, like you are birthed out of heaven into this earth in the spirit. Whoa, that's powerful, man! You are literally born out of heaven. That is crazy, guys. That means that God has actually given you spiritually full and direct access to the heavens through Jesus Christ, through the resurrection of Jesus. And you've been born again through the womb of the tomb. So when Jesus was resurrected from the dead and came out of the tomb, it says in Romans 6, it talks about how we died with Jesus and our our body of sin and death was buried with Him through baptism. And it says in the same likeness of Him being resurrected, we became alive with Him. You are born again. So the old sinful man and woman that you used to be, when you went to Jesus in faith, you actually became fused together with him in spirit, and the old sinful nature got nailed to the cross and was buried with Jesus Christ. And when he resurrected from the dead, knew because he took all the sins of this whole world upon his shoulders and nailed it to the cross, and he buried it, and he annihilated it. (laughs) Hallelujah. He annihilated it. It's smithereens. It doesn't even exist anymore. And so when you were, you were fused together with Him in the Spirit, in His resurrection, when He came back alive, so did you in the Spirit. You came back alive. That's called becoming born again. New birth in the tomb, coming out of the tomb, resurrected life. That is your spirit, man, born again of the Spirit in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. And we don't have a clue yet what that actually means. But I hope that we're getting progressive revelation of the power of that because you, if you've been born again, literally have the resurrected life of the glorified Christ living in you and and through you. Excuse me. Living in you and through you. So powerful. I want you guys to know this in the Spirit of God, you're more powerful than you ever knew you were. We flub this thing and we limit this thing, not because of what God's already put in you, but because we're still living with old thoughts and mindsets, thinking we're still like that old dude that we used to be. Come on, guys. So what did he give you through the resurrection? New birth. You became born again. That's powerful. <clears throat> Romans eight fifteen through 17. You guys doing okay so far? There's more. There's more in the contract. Alright? Romans 8.15 Sorry, 8.15-17 8, For you have not received you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear but you received the spirit of adoption. Everybody say spirit of adoption. By whom we cry out Abba Father this, Yeah, you just follow with me guys. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit That we are children of God. Everybody say, we are children of God. God. And if children, then we're heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Everybody say, I'm an heir with Christ. Christ. Come on. Do you guys know what an heir is? It's a person who is legally, rightfully receiving an inheritance. And, And you are co-heirs with Jesus. So Jesus is the son of the most high God, and he's the son of the kingdom. He's the prince of peace, and he's the Lord of lords. He's the king of kings, but he's the son of the father. And now we're sons, daughters of the father. And so in Christ, we actually are joint heirs with Jesus. So everything that he gets as an inheritance is yours too. Whoa. That statement, I could have dropped this mic on the floor. All right. So what did you receive? You received sonship and daughtership. All right. Everybody say that sonship, daughtership. All right. You also received the inheritance of the kingdom. Everybody say, I received the inheritance of the kingdom. Anybody want me to quit yet? Keeps going. Ephesians 3, 14 through 15. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father. Come on. Of our Lord Jesus. He's the Father. He's a family God. Amen? It's a Family God. From whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. So we're His family. And we're named after Him. Whoa. He put his name on you and calls you his children. And he looks at us together and he sees us as his family, the household of God. Ephesians 2.19, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Come on. So what did he give you? He gave you the family of God. That's good stuff. He didn't just make you a Christian or just make you a, a, a churchgoer or whatever. You're His family. And we're family together. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new what? It's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So what did Jesus give us through the cross, burial, and resurrection? A new nature. A new nature, that old sinful nature died with him on the cross, and it's, it's, it's been passed away. It's no longer. Behold, all things have become new. Wow. And we have to understand this, that our old sinful nature has actually been crucified with Jesus. We, we, you, you need to understand this, my friends. The old sinful nature is not who you are. That's not your identity any longer. Your identity has been made into Christ's identity. And your sons and daughters of the Most High God. We, we need to understand that, um, that our old human nature, the, the old sinful nature, is not the core of who we are anymore. We've been made sons and daughters. And so we, God, as, as a son, as a daughter... Uh, and I'm not just talking about adoption, like we, because we've been born again, right? Who are you born to? Who's your father? Who's your daddy? It's Yahweh God. And so as you were born again of a new nature, you actually have been given the very DNA of God himself. He's actually given you the blood through Jesus' blood. He's given you his chromosomes in the spirit, your DNA. He's put it into you and put that into the nature of who you are now. You guys hearing me? And so DNA means the divine nature of the Almighty. Come on. This is good stuff, Jesse. Well, thanks. If we believe that we're sinners saved by grace, which a lot of people do, and I used to believe that too, if we believe that we're sinners saved by grace, we will sin by faith. Say that again. if we believe that we're sinners saved by grace, we will sin by faith. Because we behave according to who we believe we are. And the more that we come into the understanding of who God has actually created us to be, the more we can live from that identity. And the more we understand who we are in Christ and that that is actually who I am, and that my nature actually comes from that, that that my nature, I can live from that as my core identity engine of life and the more I understand that I've, got, I've received God's nature as a son I've got his holiness in me I've got his righteousness in me and the more I can understand that he's put that in me the more I can believe that is who I am not that sinful pattern and behavior that I've been stuck on for years or whatever I'm not saying I have that now. I'm just saying I, I used to be addicted to pornography. And so back then when that was the case, I actually thought, well, I got a pornography addiction, and I kind of just thought, well, that's going to be my vice. I've ac- I actually was told that by someone once. I mean, you know, it's, it's your thorn in the flesh, is what people said or whatever. But But that is not an identity, okay? And when I started learning that my identity has the purity of god i started realizing that's who i am i can live and behave from the spirit and the nature of who god made me to be through the cross burial and resurrection of jesus christ that that old stuff that i was struggling with that's my old man that went to the cross So if I still struggle with that, I still have mindsets attached to something Jesus already took to the cross. But when I understand I live from the Spirit of God, I live as a son of the Most High God, I'm going to claim that as my identity. And the more I claim that as my identity and I start declaring over myself, I've got the purity of God. It's who I am. It's not just something I do. It's who I am. I can start living from that And I can start behaving that way. So when I receive his righteousness, I don't just have to claim it as a label. I I claim it as my identity. And then I I start understanding that's actually who I am. I'm going to live from that. And then we start realizing I actually have everything I need within me in Christ to overcome anything that has ever tried to overcome me. Hallelujah! Yeah. And so do you. Because He's made us, by, by the love of Christ, we are more than conquerors. Hallelujah! So, everybody say this, I'm no longer a sinner. I'm, no a, sinner. I'm, a, saint. I'm a saint. Come on. <laughs> I want to I say this too, that we can quote this stuff all day long because of past revelations we've had where the Lord maybe has revealed this and done a work in us sometime in our past. It's like, yep, I understand it. I get it. But but if we're not living from a place, ongoingly connecting our faith with that as my current now reality, that doesn't do anything for me because we have to be living from it, actively living from it. So we don't want to rest on yesterday's revelation. We want to keep it fresh in us all the time. Amen? (laughs) Yes. If I believe I have the nature of God as his son, I can actually live from that supernatural nature. Hallelujah. I say this again. In Christ, you are more powerful than you know you are. And in Christ, you are more free than you know you are. We doing good? Do I need to resurrect anybody this morning? Just kidding. All right, moving on here. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That literally said that in Christ, because Jesus didn't know sin, but He took your sin. He actually said, "You become His righteousness. Whew. You become His righteousness." And we learn from <clears throat> Romans three ten that that without Jesus, there is none righteous, no, not one. And and we learn from Isaiah sixty four six that. Our righteousness in and of ourselves is actually equivalent to about a filthy rag. That's what it says. But, and it doesn't matter how good you try to be, like it's not ever going to measure up. But when you have Christ, it's not your righteousness anymore. He actually puts his righteousness on you and claims it as yours. (laughs) And righteousness means... Innocence, it means right standing with God. It means that he's, He gives you the virtue of being righteous. Wow. So, and, and I love this verse, Romans three twenty two sorry 21-22. through It says, Now the righteousness of God, not your righteousness, but His, apart from the law, is revealed being witnessed by the law and the prophets even the righteousness of God, not yours, through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. So this is saying that if you believe in Jesus and you can receive what he's done for you, he literally takes his righteousness, which is infinite in measure, and he he gives it to you and puts it on you. So that if you were to look in the mirror in the Spirit, you should be able to see yourself equally righteous to God. Not by your works, but by His free gift that you receive by faith. Whoa. So what did we receive? Righteousness. That's amazing. There's so many things I can say. There's another Another verse that talks about how God justifies the ungodly through faith. Whoa. Justifies the ungodly. And justifies is another word of, of being given righteousness. It, and it, it really, it means justifies. If I'm justified, it means justified never sinned. So when God gives you justification, which he already has through faith because of the work of Jesus on the cross, it means that God looks at you. If you're, if you're in that believing and repented state of being, right, he looks at you as someone who has never sinned one time in your entire life. I, I hope that all of us will get an awakening in our spirits this very moment right now. I mean right now. To where you can realize that you've probably underestimated what Jesus has given to you. And it's time to start estimi- estimating it more. Alright? There's so many things I can say. God brought us, I'm going to start skipping some of the reading, but in Colossians 1, it says that the, uh, Jesus reconciled us to God. And he made peace through the blood on the cross. He made peace. So he he reconciled us, which means that he he actually did the work of healing the broken connection that we had to God. Jesus did that. Reconciles us back into a good relationship with God. And then he gives us peace. He puts his peace on us. So Jesus, through the cross, has, has reconciled us. But he's given us peace. And that means that God has actually... He has made peace in His heart towards you. When God thinks about you, He has peace in His heart towards you. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. That goes for anybody who's receiving by faith the salvation of Jesus Christ. God has peace on you. Wow. And He wants to fill you with His peace so that there's serenity within Come on, if anybody struggles with anxiety or shame or guilt or fear, any of those kind of things, Jesus wants to release the peace in you. He paid the price through his blood to give you peace. It says it in Colossians 1.20. That's amazing. So he gave us reconciliation. He gave us peace. But then Hebrews 10, <clears throat> how are you, how you guys doing? Because we're, we're reading through the terms of the contract, right? This is for you. Hebrews 10, 19 through 22. <clears throat> Excuse me. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. That's the holy of holies. It's the most holy place that's ever existed and ever will exist. It's where the throne of God is and the Kabod Shekinah glory resonates from. It lives in that place. And this is saying that we have boldness to enter into that place by the blood of Jesus Christ by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh and having a high priest over the house of God let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water so in that passage I want to tell you a few things that Jesus gave you through the cross and resurrection he, gave, he gives you the holiness of God You can't go into the holy place without the holiness of God. He's given you his holiness. He's given you access into his presence. To the glory of God. The throne room. That should excite you more than anything I've said yet today. Like he actually gave you the golden ticket to stand face to face to him. You, you can't earn that, but he gave it to you. He's given you the ability to have boldness and confidence and full assurance in your heart to stand before him without shame. He's given you the ability to receive a clean conscience and cleansing of all impurity how are we doing? Man, so many more things. I'm going I'm to start busting through things faster. But Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. It's Christ who lives in me. And the life I live in this flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's one of the most powerful verses in the Bible. What did he give us through the cross? He gave us union with Christ. He gave us... Death to our sinful natures. And He gave us Christ living through us. What more could you ask for? Hope you guys are receiving right now. 1 Peter 2.24 Who Himself bore our sins in His own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Come on. What did Jesus give you from the cross, burial, and resurrection? He gave you sin removal, and he gave you divine healing. Hallelujah. Kenneth Hagin said, after I read in my Bible that himself took my infirmities and bare my sicknesses, I decided there wasn't any need for both him and me to bear them, and I've been free ever since. Powerful. The more you get a revelation of the work of of the cross of Jesus Christ and his resurrection, the more free and the more power you're going to have in your life. I'm preaching the gospel of gospels to you guys right now. I hope your spirits are stirring. I got a message from a guy yesterday that I haven't seen for 11 years, and He reminded me of a time that I went and ministered at the church he was in in southern Illinois 11 years ago. And he sent me a picture of, of the back seat of somebody's car. And there was a couple of little kids in there and kids in child seats. And uh, I, I, I had no idea why he sent me that picture. And then he, he texted the message under it. He said, here's the fruit of your prayers He said said she couldn't ever have had children. She said she could have never had children. And she was barren and couldn't have kids. You prayed for her 11 years ago, and she has four kids now and is wanting more. Come on. That's amazing. I didn't even know about that testimony. It was just sitting there all these years. You have no idea what kind of testimonies are out there you haven't heard yet. (laughs) But Jesus paid a high price to bring healing to people. And he's actually doing it. It's amazing. Come on, guys. All right. I I don't have time to read you the other ones. I'm just going to tell you what they are, okay? Some more things that Jesus gave to us through the cross, burial, and resurrection. He gave you abundant life. Jesus said, uh, he said, I give you life and life more abundantly. And he's not just talking about the ability to breathe and walk around. He's, he's talking about like a life that's full of the blessing and the joy of the Lord. He says, I give you life and then I give you more abundantly. So you might have life, but do you have it abundantly? Because he wants you to have bounty of the goodness of God. And he didn't just say, I'm going to give it to you abundantly. He said, I'm going to give it to you more abundantly. So if you have abundant life, he wants to give you more abundant life than what you already have. Like he's the gift that keeps on giving. (laughs) Hallelujah. He gives us divine covering. He covers us and protects us, takes care of us. Revelation 12.10 talks about how, how Satan, the accuser of the brethren, tries to come against the Christians. And it says, and they, but they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And they did not give the, the love of their lives to death. So what else does the blood of Jesus give us? It gives us victory over Satan and every demon that's on this earth. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Hallelujah. He gives us prosperity. It's in Psalms 118.25. In in Ephesians 2, 4 through 6, we love it. It talks about, we say this verse all the time, it says He made us alive together in Christ. That means He resurrected you in Jesus. But He he didn't just resurrect you. It says, and He raised us up together, which means that He ascended us in Christ. But He didn't just do that. He made us to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So what did Jesus pay for to give you resurrection Ascension and enthronement in heaven with Jesus. Yeah, hallelujah. <laughs> hallelujah. We're, getting, we're getting close here. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 5:18 through 21. This is the last verse I'm going to read to you. Now all things are of God, <clears throat> who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. He didn't only just reconcile you. Guess what else he did? He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So if he gave you something, Jesus said, freely of receiving, I'll freely give, right? So Jesus didn't just give you reconciliation with God. Now he wants you to live out the ministry of reconciliation. Ministry means that you're, you're giving out to other people what Jesus has already given to you. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Everybody say ministry of reconciliation. Now say word of reconciliation. So he actually wants us to declare the gospel, the good news, the word of God that brings reconciliation from people back to God, broken relationship restored. And he's given that entrustment to you. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf. You, be reconciled to God. Come on. So we need to, we need to be reconciled and then we need to be ministers of reconciliation. And so, even me standing in front of you guys right now with a microphone in my hand, I have the responsibility to say to you: If there's anybody in here who has not been reconciled to God, whether it's that you've never been born again, or you, you maybe you have been but you're backslidden, or you're lukewarm, even, be reconciled to God. I implore you, today. So, what has God given you? He's given you a calling. He's given you a calling. I'm about to wrap up, all right? God, I want to I call us today into faith and alignment for each thing that Jesus gave us to the cro- on the cross. By the way, I didn't come close to scratching the surface with everything he's done, but I'm going to list out the 30 that I just told you. 30. <laughs> I went through 30. Here they are. I want you guys just to just to remember these things. God's calling you into receiving these things for yourself more. He called you, he gave you an, a new covenant lifestyle. Gave you salvation, removal of shame, new birth, sonship or daughtership, inheritance of the kingdom, He gave you the family of God, a new nature, His righteousness, justification, reconciliation with God, peace, holiness, access to His presence in the throne room, boldness, confidence, and full assurance to stand before Him without shame, clean conscience, a cleansing from impurity, union with Christ, death to the sinful nature, Christ living through you, sin removal, divine healing, abundant life, His divine covering, victory over Satan, prosperity, Resurrection, ascension, enthronement in the heavenly places with Jesus and a calling. Come on, guys. Priceless. Jesus paid a high price to deliver these 30 things to you. This is a sliver of the inheritance contract that Jesus wrote in blood for you come on yeah and and the i just felt like the lord wants me to just call us this morning into alignment to receive these things and maybe something resonated with you more distinctly than another thing. That's the thing he wants to really put in your spirit and stir it right now. Maybe more than one thing. But I, I want to, I want to, want you guys stand with me actually. I know some of you have crock pots at home you got to attend to soon. Yeah, I'm going to ask the ministry team to go ahead and come up here too. But I, I want to, I just want to call on us right now just to look at Jesus and, and what he's done. I want you to see him as, as if he just was freshly off the cross, freshly resurrected, standing before you now. And and he's opened the gateway to the throne of God. Alright? Free access, guys, through the blood of Jesus. And he wants you to come close to him. And I, I wanna I wanna say this: if there's anybody in here who you have not received your salvation, please. I, I beg you, do it now. Do it now. Don't, you don't want to miss this inheritance. <laughs> the alternative is equally as bad, all right? But, but the Lord wants to call you into his kingdom. If anybody's backslidden or even lukewarm in your spirit, Right now is the time to get it right with Jesus because He's given you something greater than what you're currently living in. And, and for the rest of us, I'm assuming the rest of us means that we're not lukewarm or any of that stuff, but we're on fire. And I pray for more of that. But I pray for all of us that God God, that you, I ask you, Lord, to open the eyes of our spirits right now just to be able to see all the things that you paid for. All the things that you paid for. I ask you to make it real right now. Lord, because I, I get it when you're sitting there and you're listening to the lawyer reading off legal jargon. like you just, just like, just give me the stuff. <laughs> I ask you, Lord God, to give us the stuff now. But we got to know what the stuff is, and I, I pray, Lord, that you'll just let let each heart be ministered to right now, Lord. Whatever things that was spoken today that that you really want to move and, and do something in people's hearts, I pray right now, Lord, let this be a moment to make it real. If anybody needs to give your life to the Lord or get things right with Him, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna call on you to come to the front. We're not gonna make a spectacle of it, but. These people in the front are ready to pray for you and to walk you towards um, that, re- that reconciliation with God. Okay? Don't let a day go by. I, I, don't, I don't say these things often, but for people who don't know the Lord, hell is at your doorstep. Okay? Hell is at the doorstep, and Satan is looking for anybody who he can destroy so that he can get people into hell, okay? But Jesus came to bring salvation, not just salvation, but abundant life as we've been talking about. He wants to bless each person. Don't let a day go by, right now is your time. And so in just a moment, um, you can come up. If anybody wants to just have prayer for anything else, they're here to pray for you I believe that God's going to begin um, dislodging some parts of your inheritance that maybe you didn't realize or you haven't laid claim to, and that the Lord's going to start bringing manifestation of things to you in an increasing measure. So, Lord, I ask you just to start releasing inheritance that you've given to us in Christ on people right now. Hallelujah. and Primarily, just a deepened intimacy with you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, right now. Right now, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Uh, This is something I've not done here at Overflow before, but I actually want you to take a moment quietly and ask the, the neighbor next to you Are you good with God? Or do you need me to partner with you to get good with God? Why don't you just ask each person right now around you, quietly, and be honest. Be honest. And if anybody needs to do something with it, I ask you to encourage them to come up to the front and that you'll go with them when I dismiss here in just a moment, right? So we're gonna dismiss. Lord, I ask you to bless everybody. God, thank you so much for Easter, for resurrection. I ask you to bless everybody in the name of Jesus. Let us just move forward in all that you've given to us, Lord. And I also pray, God, that you'll go ahead and just bless everybody's ham and cheesy potatoes, deviled eggs name of Jesus. Amen.